With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. His words, an unconscious imitation of Silas. The man who managed the place for Mr. Bear. Come, you needn't laugh. Beans are ever so much easier than corn or potatoes. I tried melons last year, but the bugs were a bother, and the old things wouldn't get right before the frost. So I didn't have but one good water and two little mush millions, said Tommy, relapsing into a silicism with the last word. Corn looks pretty growing, said Nat politely to atone for his laugh. Yes, but you have to hoe it over and over again. Now, six weeks' beans only have to be done once or so, and they get ripe soon. I'm going to try him, for I spoke first. Stuffy wanted him, but he's got to take peats. They only have to be picked, and he ought to do it. He eats such a lot. I wonder if I shall have a garden said Nat, thinking that even corn-hoeing must be pleasant work. "'Of course you will,' said a voice from below, and there was Mr. Bear returned from his walk and come to find them, for he managed to have a little talk with every one of the lads some time during the day, and found that these chats gave them a good start for the coming week. Sympathy is a sweet thing, and it worked wonders here, for each boy knew that Father Bear was interested in him, and some were readier to open their hearts to him than to a woman, especially the older ones, who liked to talk over their hopes and plans, man to man. When sick or in trouble, they instinctively turned to Mrs. Joe, while the little ones made her their mother-confessor on all occasions. In descending from their nest, Tommy fell into the brook. Being used to it, he calmly picked himself out and retired to the house to be dried. This left Nat to Mr. Bear, which was just what he wished, and during the stroll they took among the garden plots, he won the lad's heart by giving him a little farm and discussing crops with him as gravely as if the food for the family depended on the harvest. From this pleasant topic they went to others, and Nat had many new and helpful thoughts put into a mind that received them as gratefully as the thirsty earth had received the warm spring rain. All supper-time he brooded over them, often fixing his eyes on Mr. Burr with an inquiring look that seemed to say, "'I like that. Do it again, sir.' I don't know whether the man understood the child's mute language or not, but when the boys were all gathered together in Mrs. Bear's parlour for the Sunday evening talk, he chose a subject which might have been suggested by the walk in the garden. 
As he looked about him, Nat thought it seemed more like a great family than a school, for the lads were sitting in a wide half-circle round the fire, some on chairs, some on the rug, Daisy and Demi on the knees of Uncle Fritz, and Rob snugly stowed away in the back of his mother's easy-chair, where he could nod unseen if the talk got beyond his depth. Everyone looked quite comfortable, and listened attentively, for the long walk made rest agreeable, and as every boy there knew that he would be called upon for his views, he kept his wits awake to be ready with an answer. "'Once upon a time,' began Mr. Bear, in the dear, old-fashioned way, "'there was a great and wise gardener who had the largest garden ever seen.' A wonderful and lovely place it was, and he watched over it with the greatest skill and care, and raised all manner of excellent and useful things. But weeds would grow even in this fine garden. Often the ground was bad, and the good seeds sown in it would not spring up. He had many undergardeners to help him. Some did their duty and earned the rich wages he gave them but others neglected their parts and let them run to waste, which displeased him very much. But he was very patient, and for thousands and thousands of years he worked and waited for his great harvest. "'He must have been pretty old,' said Demi, who was looking straight into Uncle Fritz's face as if to catch every word. "'Hush, Demi, it's a fairy story,' whispered Daisy." "'No, I think it's an airy-gory,' said Demi. "'What is a airy-gory?' called out Tommy, who was of an inquiring turn. "'Tell him, Demi, if you can, and don't use words unless you are quite sure you know what they mean,' said Mr. Bear. "'I do know. Grandpa told me. A fable is a airy-gory. It's a story that means something.' My story without an end is one, because the child in it means a soul. Don't it, Auntie? cried Demi, eager to prove himself right. That's it, dear. An uncle's story is an allegory, I'm quite sure. So listen and see what it means, returned Mrs. Joe, who always took part in whatever was going on, and enjoyed it as much as any boy among them. Demi composed himself, and Mr. Bear went on in his best English, for he had improved much in the last five years, and said the boys did it. This great gardener gave a dozen or so of little plots to one of his servants, and told him to do his best and see what he could raise. Now this servant was not rich, nor wise, nor very good, but he wanted to help because the gardener had been very kind to him in many ways. So he gladly took the little plots and fell to work. They were all sorts of shapes and sizes, and some were very good soil, some rather stony, and all of them needed much care, for in the rich soil the weeds grew fast, and in the poor soil there were many stones. This great gardener gave a dozen or so of little plots to one of his servants, and told him to do his best and see what he could raise. Now this servant was not rich, nor wise, nor very good, but he wanted to help because the gardener had been very kind to him in many ways. So he gladly took the little plots and fell to work. There were all sorts of shapes and sizes, and some were very good soil. 
some rather stony, and all of them needed much care, for in the rich soil the weeds grew fast, and in the poor soil there were many stones. "'What was growing in them besides the weeds and stones?' asked Nat, so interested he forgot his shyness and spoke before them all. "'Flowers,' said Mr. Bear with a kind look. Even the roughest, most neglected little bed had a bit of heartsease or a sprig of mignonette in it. One had roses, sweet peas, and daisies in it. Here he pinched the plump cheek of the little girl leaning on his arm. Another had all sorts of curious plants in it, bright pebbles, a vine that went climbing up like Jack's beanstalk, and many good seeds just beginning to sprout. For, you see, this bed had been taken fine care of by a wise old man, who had worked in gardens of this sort all his life. At this part of the Arigori, Demi put his head on one side like an inquisitive bird, and fixed his bright eye on his uncle's face, as if he suspected something and was on the watch. But Mr. Bear looked perfectly innocent, and went on glancing from one young face to another, with a grave, wistful look that said much to his wife, who knew how earnestly he desired to do his duty in these little garden plots. "'As I tell you, some of these beds were easy to cultivate. That means to take care of Daisy, and others were very hard. There was one particularly sunshiny little bed that might have been full of fruits and vegetables as well as flowers, only it wouldn't take any pains, and when the man sowed, well, we'll say melons in this bed, they came to nothing because the little bed neglected them. The man was sorry and kept on trying, though every time the crop failed, all the bed said was, I forgot. Here a general laugh broke out, and everyone looked at Tommy, who had pricked up his ears at the word melons and hung down his head at the sound of his favorite excuse. I knew he meant us, cried Demi, clapping his hands. You are the man, and we are the little gardens, aren't we, Uncle Fritz? You have guessed it. Now each of you tell me what crop I shall try to sow in you this spring, so that next autumn I may get a good harvest out of my twelve, no, thirteen plots, said Mr. Bear, nodding at Nat as he corrected himself. You can't sow corn and beans and peas in us, unless you mean we are to eat a great many and get that, said Stuffy, with the sudden brightening of his round, dull face as the pleasing idea occurred to him. He don't mean that kind of seeds. He means things to make us good, and the weeds are false, cried Demi, who usually took the lead in these talks, because he was used to this sort of thing and liked it very much. Yes, each of you think what you need most and 